Hello, welcome to the 12 cast. My name is Jake Kirshner, co-author of Just 12. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, before we get started, just want to mention a couple of things about the rhythm of our podcast, because it doesn't follow a linear path. We're not doing a series for five or six weeks. Instead, we're doing some things and then coming back to them. And there might be a little bit of a pattern, but nothing that's going to feel like we're with the same topic for the same amount of time for very long. The first episode that we did for the podcast was was about the vision and values of the Just 12 community, the app, the resources we're trying to provide. And, and so that's going to happen. That kind of a segment will happen once in a while. We'll also do a everyday ordinary missionary interview with people who are on this Just 12 journey with us and how they're discovering and prioritizing their 12. And then we'll do some like today, a segment called Like Jesus, where we're going to explore the different habitudes of Jesus. Habitude is a real word, really is. Uh, it, it's practices that are so closely aligned with convictions and values and then lived out with consistency. And Jesus has several habitudes that I think are really consistent that we could pick up on, especially as it comes to loving our 12 like he loved his 12. We'll also do a, a roundtable discussion where different people are going to bring different resources or books or videos or whatever it is that they've come across they think is going to help equip and encourage uh, other people that are on this Just 12 journey. And then we'll have a Q&R session as well, a question and response. Sometimes it'll be about things that were just talked about in recent weeks. Other times it'll just be things that people have said, hey, I have questions about this, and we'll try to address some of those every so often as well. So that's going to be the rhythm. If you don't have the app yet, we'd encourage you to download the app wherever you get your apps, whatever app store you get them from. Uh, it's free app. The resources that are on there, there's a couple different interactive things that are uh, you're not going to be able to get through a podcast. Uh, and it's a way to communicate with us. If you're someone who says, hey, I want to be a part of uh, being interviewed, or I want to share this story, or I'd love to do something behind the scenes, or I want to just help support what you're doing, that's a way to communicate with us. So if you do download the app, just click on the contact us. It's a great way to connect with us. Let us know your story or, or ways that you want to be a part of what we're up to. We'd love to have you uh, on the app with our community. Uh, today, I want to start with a quote. And it's a quote, I honestly can't remember when I first heard it, but, uh, and I probably heard it a few times, maybe many times. I, I do think I was in, in college when I first heard it, and it, it, it stuck with me. It, it struck a chord for me. It resonated in a way that's really guided my decisions and actions over the years. Uh, it, it comes from this missionary. I found this out more recently. It comes from this missionary who, he died before he was even 30. His name was Jim Elliott. He was a missionary in Ecuador. He, he died while he was in the mission field trying to tell people about Jesus. And he had a lot of different words and, and his experience is remarkable. But I think there's a lot of wisdom in what he said in this quote that's rooted in the ways of Jesus. He said, wherever you are, be all there. Wherever you are, be all there. I don't know about you, but I'm far too easily distracted most of the time. It doesn't even really take much. It's an idea that pops into my head, a question, a, a squirrel, right? I still get teased by my in-laws about being pulled into a kid's TV show when we were trying to have a conversation around the table. There was just something about that Thomas the Train episode that had me enthralled. I don't know what it was. I mean, we live in a world of distractibility, a, a, a world of a million possibilities that can take our focus away from what we desire, what we really want to give our attention to. And I don't know when this all started, culturally, I mean, not just for me. I, I have a hunch it got worse with the dawn of television. Images, 
screens broadcasting different from different times and places now accessible in your living room, in your kitchen, in restaurants, in your pocket. And it would be easy to blame screens and electronics. And not a day goes by that I don't try. As an educator, as a parent, screen time arguments are part of the drill. But if I'm being honest, even my eight-year-old regularly reminds me to get my face out of the screen. Screens aren't actually the problem, though. They magnify the problem, the problem of, of impulse control. Screens amplify this gap between our desired habits, things we really want, and our inability to, to have resolve. And, and don't worry, this isn't going to be a 10-minute TED Talk about habits and motivations or routines. I'm more concerned for myself and others, those of us striving to prioritize 12 others like Jesus did, concerned about a value that Jesus holds, a key to prioritizing his 12, a key for us to love like Jesus did. Jesus valued presence. Presence. Presence is this awareness of how you're connecting, connecting with people, spaces, even yourself, and especially with God. It's about attentiveness, mindfulness, some might even say. Jesus seems, he seems to have this filter. He had this ability to filter out distractions that could so that he could then discern the work of God and his role in it. I mean, Jesus looked and listened to his surroundings, to the people, the dynamics taking place. There's a set of encounters scattered through the narratives of Jesus that, that give us some direction and I think application and how we have a, a like Jesus presence. And, and like so many stories about Jesus, there's food involved. The, the way Matthew retells it in his biography about Jesus is that there's this party and Jesus is reclined at the table with tax collectors and sinners. Now, there's a good chance that this is Matthew's house. He's the one throwing this party because right before that, Jesus calls Matthew, says, come follow me. And then the next verse is saying, there was a party at a tax collector's house and there's tax collectors and sinners, probably his house. And as he's retelling it, he's saying there's this proximity and familiarity with people in such such a way that these people of ill repute, it gets under the skin of the religious elite. And they have something to say about it. I just want to pause for a second, try to get ourselves into the story a little bit more. Because I think when we think of parties and eating around a table, it's, it's hard not to imagine our kitchen and our dining room. Right? Trendy, mid-century, modern farmhouse furniture surrounded by the latest Joanna Gaines decor, now available at Target. And that's not how this story looks, though. Jesus is reclined at the table. I recently went to a park uh, around Memorial Day, and I think that gives me a little bit better picture about how it could have looked in this instant for, instance for Jesus. Because on Memorial Day, we went to this park where it was by a lake, and there was a gazebo or a, a shelter, and there was... The family's grilling and cooking, and they kind of had taken over a good chunk of the, the shelter. And then there was a, another group, another family and group of friends, community. Man, it seemed like there was at least 50, if not more, families gathered. And then there was groups of guys playing cards or dominoes, hanging out, having fun. There was other groups playing football. There was a bunch of different tables and coolers, and they, they kind of had a whole setup going in their space. They were just having so much fun. That's kind of what I imagine this looks like Jesus reclined at the table. I think more of a, 
a picnic in the park next to one of those shelters, barbecue grill going, lots of talking and laughing and music and eating, kids playing off in the grass nearby. And there's Jesus elbowed up to a spread of food in the center of a large blanket. And there's lots of people leaning in and even more sprawled out on other blankets nearby. And then walks up a group of people who don't look like they were invited, dressed totally differently, right? Everyone's in sandals and shorts and then these people walk up in suits and they're standoffish. But in this culture of hospitality, they're invited in. And so they're handed plates full of food too. And then they stand there and and things get awkward. Clearly, they don't like what they see. And Jesus overhears them. And why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? You ever been to a gathering and a person you're, you're talking to suddenly starts acting a little different? Maybe they get quiet, they shift their shoulders, their eyes start wandering out around the room, and you might think, man, they don't want to talk to me, I'm boring, I said something to offend them. But then you might notice something has changed, the environment's changed, someone showed up that changed the dynamic, changed the feel, something's up. And Jesus, he's reading the situation. There, There are other instances told from other narratives and perspectives where Jesus senses what's in their hearts. Jesus overhears the words and he overhears their hearts. Because sometimes words are visible in the air without them ever being uttered. And I'm not sure if this is a Holy Spirit thing. If Jesus is just that intuitive, it's probably both. Whatever it is, Jesus has an engaged presence. Jesus is all there. He's totally aware. And what does Jesus do? He says these words, those who are well have no need for a doctor, but a doctor is for those who are sick. When the the narrative about Jesus written by Luke, when Luke tells the similar story, quite possibly the same event, Jesus tells three stories, each about something that was lost and then found, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son, lost things that are found and celebrated. Okay, so how does all this relate to to being present and being like Jesus in the ways we love our 12. Four observations and a little bit of commentary about Jesus and presence. Jesus enjoys the moment. Uh, Jesus is reclined at the table. The accusations come because Jesus is leaning into the celebration, leaning into relationships and customs and connections with these people. That's what presence is about, enjoying the moment, soaking it in, taking snapshots in your mind, not on your phone, right? Storing this moment in the cloud called your brain. It's a more powerful storage unit than anything you're paying for on Apple or Google or Amazon, whose pictures and videos you rarely, if ever, access. Enjoy the moment. Second observation about Jesus and presence. He's attentive to the situation. And Jesus had a lot going on. What, what he just came from, what he was about to go do, that could have easily preoccupied his mind. He could have been checking his watch or sundial, or whatever you check. He could have totally missed what was being said or, 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 or the dynamic that had changed because of this religious elite group that showed up. The, the people that Jesus is with, the ones that he's at the table with, he eventually calls them friends. He knew their lives, their fears, their challenges, their hopes, their ways of looking at the world. And when we're attentive to the situation, when we're listening to the stories of those around us, we're going to start picking up on the fears and frustrations 
We'll remember the details of names and important dates. We'll be given the circumstances of struggles and challenges or things worth celebrating. And then we'll know how to follow up or, or bring it up next time or follow through. Here's what's interesting about this, this dynamic that takes place. I, I don't know if Jesus first saw the religious leaders or if he saw, first saw how everybody reacted and responded to the religious leaders. And maybe things were, were, were fun and everything, everybody was having a good time and things were loud and then it got quiet because they showed up. And that's why he was able to hear their hearts and their words. See, when we are attended to the situation, those that we are building relationship with, respect goes up, relational capital goes up, trust goes up. When we're attentive to the situation, this is where there's power and presence. Okay, last two, put them together. Respond to the, the distraction and remember the mission. That's what Jesus did. He calls out the distraction and he brings it back to the mission. Now, most of us aren't going to have that kind of distraction, right? Religious party crashers aren't coming to our places. But most of us have distractions that are self-inflicted, our preoccupations, our distractibilities. And when that happens at times when we desire to be present with someone, just call it out. Apologize it and name it. I'm sorry, could you repeat yourself? Could you repeat what you just said? I was distracted. I, I didn't intend to be preoccupied. I just got lost in a thought. Right? Hey, I'm, I'm going to put my phone away because it's a distraction to me. I really want to hear what you have to say. See, when you do that, when we do that again, respect is going to go up. And lastly, when you're with your 12, just remind yourself of the mission, striving to love and prioritize like Jesus did. Whether it's right before you go into an interaction with somebody or an encounter with somebody, maybe it's even during a conversation. When you feel yourself getting distracted, just bring it back to the mission. May you and I develop the skills to eliminate distractions. May you lean into being present and enjoy more moments. May we all discover more of how Jesus is moving and inviting us to join him.